Hello everyone, it's Adam from Uprofoot24 with my seventh episode on Meeting the 92. Still early days on this journey, but it's been a great one so far. I've got a cracking one for you today. One of the, another, another one of the, you know, the real historic clubs of uh, English football. I've come, you know, a few few weeks ago, I was at the villa. I've come down the road to the Black Country. I'm with, with the Wolves and I'm with um, Birmingham Mail report Alex Dickon. Good morning, Alex, over there, I think. How are you doing, mate? Morning, Adam. All good. Looking forward to this. <laughs> hope, hope you're well. Uh, how, how do you get started working for the for the paper and how long have you been reporting on the Wolves? Um, so I started with the paper five years ago, um, straight out of university, really. I had a little bit of work experience, got to know the people there. And then, fortunately, there was a couple of jobs that came up when I finished uni, just like a month later, and um, got one of those. I started early, early on. I was mainly covering Villa and Birmingham uh, mm-hmm. more. And then we kind of expanded our Wolves coverage. I think it was around the promotion season, so 27, 2018. And um, I kind of became a designated Wolves reporter. I've done it ever since. And obviously, it's been really good because Wolves have got promoted, then got straight into Europe, had an FA Cup run. So um, the last few years really been a dream. Oh, I can imagine. Now, being the the local newspaper or one of the local newspapers there what's the connection like between the newspaper and the club it's not bad to be honest um, at other clubs locally it's probably tougher uh walls are always fairly helpful and um always quite forthcoming with things they give fairly decent access considering you know they don't really have to these days they've got their own channels their own communication uh, platforms so um it's always been quite good and i mean walls have been on the crest of a wave so it's been quite positive throughout the whole time apart from last season where it was a bit we all went a bit stale, but um, it's been fairly easy. And I mean, we've never had any kind of like issues or anything. And um, it's, all, it's all been quite good. Ah, that's good to hear. Like you say, Wolves have been on the crest of a wave at the moment. Mm-hmm. But just briefly, like, can you give people like a 30 second overview of Wolves in the past? As I said, they, they are a historic club, but they were in the doldrums for a, a very long time as well. Yes, I mean, they've got a very colourful past. Um, so back in the 50s, they're obviously one of the main teams in England winning league titles under, uh, under Stan Cullis, captain by Billy Wright. Mm-hmm. Obviously over 100 caps for uh, for England. Um, mm-hmm. There's a statue of him outside the stadium. Also, obviously, Stan Cullis, loads of stuff, kind of about the history and stuff around the stadium that you can um, go and see when you visit Molyneux. Um, it's really traditional in that sense. I think three, three league titles they won back in the 50s, uh, an FA Cup as well. So they're really kind of revered figures uh, there fell on, as you mentioned, fell on hard times um, in the 80s, I think it was. Uh, they were owned by the Batties, who were, who were hated um, around Wolverhampton. And they ended up dropping down into the, into the fourth tier before fighting their way back. Um, almost went bust as well uh, before fighting their way back. Uh, Steve Ball, uh, legendary Steve Ball, was a huge figure in bringing the club back into the, uh, into the championship where it became established in the second tier. And then... They had a couple of promotions, uh, one under Dave Jones at the Millennium Stadium um, that, you know, he still talks about. And obviously got promoted under Mick McCarthy as well, uh, I think 2009. Mm-hmm. Um, but they never lasted in the Premier League. And then they dropped down again to back-to-back relegations, um, came back up, sat in the Championship. And then obviously Foson took over in 2016. And uh, the, you know, what's what's followed really has been quite remarkable in that Wolves have been able to finally stopped kind of occasionally going to Premier League and bouncing back down, but they've actually stayed there and, and done more than stay there. In the first two seasons, they finished 
seventh in the Premier League both times. And for me, in the 2019-20 uh, season, they should have finished in the top four. I think they they kind of bottled it at the end. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's been fantastic, really, the last the last few years, especially. And the the club's completely transformed. It's <laughs> with all the international stars, the Portuguese mm-hmm. uh, contingent coming in. What's 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 the atmosphere like at the club now? Is have sort of you know the traditional side of the club and the modern side has it kind of joined together harmoniously? Is there a, a good bond there, or any any teething issues? I think so. I mean, there are obviously traditionalists who. As supporters who probably aren't massively keen on Wolves and the ownership wanting wanting the club to now be this big brand, mm-hmm. uh, which is effectively what they see it as. For example, um, when Wolves sign Raul Jimenez, um, there's a massive kind of marketing emphasis now on on Mexico. I mean, Mexico Mexican football fans make up way more of you know the Wolves supporting population on Facebook, Twitter than the English fans do. Um, so obviously they play towards that, which is understandable from a marketing point of view. Um, obviously, the Portuguese players, um, not as big a country as Mexico, obviously. They've just signed a Colombian defender in Yersa Mascara, mm-hmm. who, you know, if in, in two or three years, if he develops into, into a very good player and gets into the Colombian national team, Wolves are going to be expecting, you know, Colombia, a massive South American country, to, to, uh, to get loads of fans from there as well. So um, there is that kind of marketing element to it. Um, and they went to China a couple of years ago. I know the owners want to make the club big in China. They want to mm-hmm. find a Chinese player. Um, which is, you know, easier said than done at the moment because I've had five or six youngsters over the last few years who haven't kind of been able to break through. But I think that will still be a goal of the owners to, to find that Chinese player that can perform in the Premier League. Um, so there are kind of like things, but um, when you speak to the players, when you speak to the, you know, the last manager, Nuno Espirito Santo, it's, they've made a very conscious effort to actually understand the history of the club. They've all visited the museum and they've made that great effort. So, um and they're happy to talk about it as well. You know, they can talk about it quite well. So it shows they've done research and things like that, which always appeases fans. So um, it feels like they are kind of married together almost, the modern day Wolves and the, the you know, the, the kind of glorious generation of, this, of the 50s and 60s of history. Um, and I suppose it's just whether they, you know, they can kind of maintain that uh, and still give the odd nod towards the, the, the history mm-hmm. while they're kind of trying to become this big brand in, in other countries around around the world. It's great to see. It's great to hear because you know, it's it is incredibly difficult job to get that kind mm-hmm. of marriage just right. Am I right? Uh, are the stands there still named after people like Stan Collis, Steve Ball, and the like, or or has yes. that changed now? Yeah, the Steve Ball stand, the Billy Wright stand, Stan Collis. Um, there's also a, a, a stand that's been put in. Uh, there's a, a Graham Hughes stand. He was a club historian, which is a nice touch as well because he, he died recently, sadly. Um, there's kind of a temporary stand that was put in when the club got promoted to the Premier League. That's called the Grand Hughes stand. Um, so it shows that the club is still kind of giving those, those nods towards the uh, the kind of bread and butter of the club, the people who've been the soul for for you know generations. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that, that is that is still there. The statues that are still there. Um, I mean, it's a very kind of historic ground when you go in. Um, it's it's kind of unique, really, in English football. There aren't many grounds like it in that respect. You, you, you're quite right. I mean, I remember going there when I was a kid, kid as well, back when I was back in the UK. Are there, are there any plans to, to move at all, or are they, are they happy, sort of present and settled at the ground? There was a, a couple of years ago. I think folks have been speaking about expanding the ground, and a lot of Wolves fans were concerned they'd move out of Wolverhampton. <laughs> but um, that's 
that's not going to be the case. Uh, at least we don't think so. They they are planning to redevelop the ground. That's been in the in the works for two or three years now uh, since they've promoted the Premier League. Um, I think Fosun want at least a fifty thousand seat stadium. I mean, they they fill out when when fans are allowed inside the stadium. They're getting you know. 30, 30, 31,000. So that's kind of the max. They're selling out every week. There's a massive waiting list for season tickets. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, fans regularly go on about loyalty points and things and fighting for loyalty points because you don't get tickets to away games and big games if you haven't got them because they sell out so fast. Um, so that is definitely needed. They need a bigger stadium, um, 100%. And there was a plan revealed, I can't remember what it was, maybe 2019, I think. Yeah. Um, of what the stadium would look like and it looked fantastic um but you know the pandemic and everything and what's happened has pretty much slowed that down it's kind of off the off the table at the moment they're not really thinking about that so i think when we're kind of over this you know pump of the the pandemic then potentially a year or two down the line that will come back into into focus and the ground will uh will eventually get redeveloped because wolves need um you know a fifty thousand seat stadium that's a, that's a given Oh, definitely so, definitely so. Um, you, you, you were mentioning there about, you say, the fans and the like. What's the relationship there with the fans, with other clubs around the West Midlands? I mean, mm. who, who who do you have the best relationship with or the most fierce <laughs> relationship? I don't know which adjective is best to use there. <laughs> Which is, which is, you know, how, how do the relationships work around the Westminster? Because there's so many clubs. Yeah, so, I mean, the, the main the main big four clubs would be Wolves, West Brom, uh, Villa and Blues, wouldn't it? But um, I suppose over the last four years, since because in 2017, Villa and Wolves were in the Championship and they're both fighting for promotion to the Championship, uh, to the Premier League, sorry, um, that was that kind of developed into a weird little rivalry. Um and that kind of became the rivalry that season uh, in that, you know, Wolves were kind of top dogs and Villa didn't like it sort of thing because Villa have been so used to being top dogs in the Midlands for, for so long. Um, and then he developed in the Premier League a couple of years ago again and last season, obviously, uh, where Villa, Villa had the better of it last season and finished just above Wolves. So um, that has developed into the kind of the, the Premier League rivalry of the Midlands, I think. And then, um, but obviously those two clubs, their main rivalry is with someone else, with another club. So Wolves and West Brom is obviously a huge rivalry in the Black Country. Um, but again, it never gets played because they're always in different divisions, really. Because West Brom are in the Premier League, Wolves are in the Championship. Uh, they played it twice for you know the first time in a decade last season. Um, wow. And again, Wolves, Wolves are going. Wolves fans are going into that game thinking, yes, we're going to win this one. We've got way better players than West Brom won, <laughs> uh, and they couldn't even win the second one either. So it's West Brom are, are really a bit of a bogey team for Wolves, I think. Um, and although they'll, they'll want to get one over, I'm pretty glad to not have to play them this season. Um, so yeah, that's that's the main rivalry. I think it always will be. Um, there was a, a tiny rivalry with Walsall back in 2013 when they're in League One, but obviously that was never going to last long. So Blues back in the you know the 90s and whatever was because they're in the same same divisions. Yeah. Uh, but main obviously the main rival was West Brom, and then a little faux rivalry developed with Villa over the last few years. Uh, so it's going to be interesting to see how that one goes because the Villa seem to be mm-hmm. developing quite well as a well at the money. moment. So could have Villa, mm-hmm. Villa Wolves battling all over Europe in the in the next few years. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. well, Alex, like, I just changed tact a minute because it's something I, I just 
sort of a personal passion of mine. I'm, you know, always been impressed by the community work that clubs do. Mm. And as I've I've been visiting different clubs, it's, I've been really inspired by it. Now, what what do what do Wolves do uh, to reach out to the community? And as you mentioned there, with with the pandemic, as how have how has the club sort of kept the connection with the fans during the you know the pandemic and the the lockout era? Wolves are really good, to be honest. I mean, um, you don't. I don't think you see many Premier League clubs doing the things they've done during the last the last year or so. Um, I know a lot of Premier League clubs have supported the the local community, but Foston, for example, they have a, a pharmaceutical company as well. Um, they've obviously played their part in developing the Pfizer vaccine as well. So um, they've been providing PPE right at the start of the pandemic when PPE was in such short supply locally. They are providing PPE around Wolverhampton, the hospices, and and things like that. So. That was obviously a really, really good step and earned them a lot of kind of praise locally um, and nationally as well. Uh, they've got the um, something that's been really good to see recently. They've got the uh, the Wolves Foundation are doing a Feed Our Pack initiative, mm-hmm. uh, which basically focuses on feeding children, um, underprivileged children and families that obviously are struggling during the pandemic. So um, that was really good. And, you know, what was fantastic was that Nuno put £250,000 of his own money into that. Wow, and it was it was obviously backed by the club as well. We matched that, um, so that's a hell of a lot of money going going towards you know local a local initiative. Um, Connor Cody, the captain, has been fantastic with the foundation as well. He does a hell of a lot of stuff. John Rooney, the goalkeeper, uh, he does loads of stuff. So I think the players are very in tune with it, good. Uh, which is obviously very good to see. Um, and they they do a hell of a lot of good work to be honest, like sending out uh, care packages, meals, things like that. Um, and it has been um, obviously needed during the last year so it's been it's been really good oh, that's great to hear i always feel that the work of the community trust doesn't get uh, they don't get the the public you know the media that they deserve mm. and it's uh, they do such incredible work you know it's one of the the great powers of football i think beyond other sports that it has this ability to to reach out into parts of community that with needs like that so well done wolves sure. well done folks <laughs> um well, coming coming back to the club in particular, the fans. Uh, what did they make a good racket on a match day? Is it a decent noise? Where's where's the best place I, to to sit in the crowd for for an atmosphere? I can't wait for the noise to come back. To be honest, um, it's been so boring watching games in empty stadiums, and obviously you feel privileged to be there in the first place. But um, you kind of realise how how important the the fans. And the atmosphere are our overall match day experience. Um, because watching Wolves last season at times is desperately boring, and you just kind of wanted to look up into the stand or hear a song or something. Um, so genuinely incredible. Some of the games we've been to over the last few years, think back to the, the Manchester United FA Cup type Molyneux, um, an absolutely unbelievable atmosphere. Uh, I remember like kind of looking up at one stage when Wolves had just scored the scenes, um, people falling down the stand and stuff, and it was incredible. Um, <laughs> South Bank, the South Bank is quite unique in that sense in that the noise it makes is ridiculous. It's still kind of, although standing isn't a thing, you know, everyone stands and mm. they've put the uh, the rail the rail seating in so people are kind of, it's accepted now that they will stand in the South Bank. Um, and also uh, what's unique about Wolves, well, is the rivalries between the stands. Like you've got the North Bank and the South Bank, you've got each other the whole game. <laughs> they have a crack at the steamball as well. It's, it's all very weird, but it's, it's amusing. Um, so yeah, it's it's an incredible atmosphere there, and because it's so it's quite closed ground still, 
Mm-hmm. Um, so when 33,000 people are making a racket, it's brilliant. And I hope, I hope that it's going to be full um, come August again. Ah, oh, brilliant. I mean, now with Wolves being as big as they are, you know, when with Fos and that, are supporters still able to sort of engage in the club as well as they did before? Or now that Wolves has, has become this international brand, is it very much they're on the periphery of it? It's difficult. I know I have spoken to some supporters who would feel like that, um, in that it's kind of, they're not little old walls anymore where, you know, Dave from the pub gets to get to go and speak to the owner and stuff like that. And um, it's it's obviously a lot bigger now, um, but they still do do things like I've got fans parliament where, um, you know, I think it's every, every few months or something, uh, maybe three or four times a year where fans sit down with, the leadership team and discuss kind of issues, you know, so just ticket, ticket and prices. I know the ticket and prices issue, uh, they've gone up quite dramatically and that has frustrated a lot of fans, but that's probably to be expected given given the Wolves are a Premier League club and everyone else is doing it. So mm-hmm. that has frustrated some. Um, I still I still think there is, there's a connection, but it's difficult because Fosun as a kind of huge Chinese conglomerate, they're not, they're not really kind of designed to sit down and go and meet fans at the time. Although you do see things like, I think there was something last week when England were playing, when Jeff Shee, the chairman, was in a, in a local pub with supporters. So there's, there's still stuff like that. Oh, and that right. is great to see. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it, I don't think it's as bad as it is with other clubs, for example. Like, I mean, you know, the Glazers never sit down with any Man United fans, do they? Yeah, exactly. So in that respect, it's a lot better. It's... It's a fine, fine balancing act, you know. Mm-hmm. They, I was talking to somebody at Liverpool recently, and they said, you know, you can't have a fan making a decision that's going to have a you yeah. know, hundred, hundred million pound decision. Um, you need somebody that's really qualified yeah. in it making, making it's that. It's a different game, a way different game now to what it used to be twenty years ago. It really is at at, at that level. Really, it really mm. is. But. Still, for it still is for the fans. I mean, where do the fans like to go before the game? If I'm right, Molyneux, is it still surrounded by that ring road? Yes, yeah, you've got, that's honestly, you've got loads of places in town. What, um, what, what are the best pubs to go to then, Alex? Can't say I've got some of my match days because I'm always working. Uh, <laughs> there is one, there is one, it used to be called the Leaping Walk. I'm not sure that it still is, but that's just down the road. That's about a, a one minute walk from Molyneux next to Asta. Mm. That's always round the because I, I, tend, I used to park there, to be honest, um, until it got too busy and I couldn't park there anymore. Um, there are a lot of places around, around Molyneux and in the town as well that you can go to. It's, it's quite good for that. Um, there's also quite a lot of decent curry houses there in the town. So if you want to do that after a game as well, that's really good. It really is the heart, sort of the heart of the British curry. What are the balti pies like in the ground? Like, you must I, have a balti pie. <laughs> I, I have I had a few, yeah. They are really good, to be fair. I always find they're better in around the Midlands, actually, than everywhere else. They're <laughs> just a kind of biased thing or whatever, but they are. What's what's food like in the ground? I mean, you obviously you get the media yeah. stuff, yeah? So they, they, they put up good. a good spread. Um, yeah, the, the media stuff's different, to be honest. It's not it's no longer like pies and stuff. It's actually normally like salmon and things like that. So, yeah, it's, yeah, I know. It's, it's quite good. Uh, <laughs> It fills me up, and they have cakes and things now as well. So, uh, whenever in shorts polo, that hasn't obviously hasn't happened since March 2020. Um, I can't wait. I can't wait to have a cake again. To be honest. <laughs> oh, brilliant! Absolutely brilliant. Um, now, looking ahead to next season, obviously, uh, more, as as 
has the new manager been appointed? I'm a bit. I haven't done yeah, the research. Bruno Lage. <laughs> Who yeah. is it? Yeah, Bruno Large is the uh, is the new head coach. Obviously, he'd only had 18 months at Benfica, so it's a kind of bit of a, a I suppose I suppose a strange appointment. Another Portuguese coach. Um, heard really good things about him. To be honest, he's going to hopefully play an attacking brand of football. Um, promote the young players, which is important to the club as well. Um, his Benfica team, they were way, they, you know, when he took over Benfica in January 2019, initially as a caretaker, they were miles off the pace in the Portuguese league and won 18 of the final 19 league games to win the title. So um, they didn't win it in the second season they left. So it's a, it's an interesting appointment, to be honest. And I think it's what Wolves needed because from by, by the sounds of it, he's the polar opposite to Nuno in terms of style. Mm-hmm. Um so I'm really looking forward to it. He starts pre-season uh, next week. Um, he won't have a lot of the players because of the Euros commitments, but it's going to be interesting to see how um, how they get on um, this season because you know it's it's an un- it'd be an unknown Wolves team really. They've only known one way of playing, so uh, to try something different, um, it's going to be exciting to watch at least. I mean, what's what are the hopes there for next season? Will he have sort of 12 months to bed in his style, or is the there an expectation that he's going to come in and kick on? I think unless it's unless it goes really, really, really badly, I think he's going to be given time. Yeah. Um, I think it would be unfair, given that Foson have publicly said that they're not going to keep throwing money at it. Um, they're now going to kind of... It's more kind of about working cleverly in the transfer market to find things they need, and they're probably going to sell players as well. So there's going to be a change around. Um, I don't think it, it would be fair and large to, to tell him that he's got to, you know, finish seventh, because it's probably not going to happen. Uh, I think a top-half finish with what Wolves are going to spend in comparison to their rivals would be a good a good achievement. Um, as long as they're nowhere near the uh, the relegation places or in, in a relegation fight, I think it's an acceptable season, to be honest. Because last season, I think, without Adama Traore towards the end, I think Wolves would have been right in the mix to go down. Um, and, you know, it's lucky they started the season so well. They've got five wins in the first 10 games. So if they hadn't have had that start, they'd have, they'd have been in right trouble. Uh, f- fair enough. Um, no. Thank you for the, thanks for thanks for that. Any 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 transfer rumours floating around at the moment? Transfer rumours. Uh, the main one really is the the goalkeeper situation. Uh, mm-hmm. Rui Patricio. I think he's only got one year left in his deal anyway, so that it looks like he could leave this summer. Uh, Roma are the club that wants him, um, and then it's just a case of his replacement. Um, the guy that everyone thinks will come in is uh, Jose Sar from Olympiacos. Um, a player that Wolves have been watching for a few years, another George Mendes client. So it makes sense. Um, it cost around the same as the Patricio deal to Romewood as well. So um, it's, a, it's an interesting one. He's a different sort of goalkeeper, more someone who's probably more comfortable coming and claiming crosses and more on the front foot than Patricio was. Patricio tends to play close to his line. Mm-hmm. And also Saar is better on the ball, which Wolves want to now under large play out from the back. Whereas under Nuno, that wasn't really a problem. So um, I think it's a, it's a, Probably a transfer that would suit the style walls are going, the direction walls are going in terms of style. Um, but you know, you are Lewis and Patricio for me is an incredible goalkeeper. Um, if not very good with his feet, but he's still a top class keeper and he's the first choice of Portugal and will be for probably another five years. Definitely so, definitely so. So wish you I wish you good luck for, for the season. Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully fans will be allowed in next month. Uh I, I don't know what the what the sort of state of play is over there at the moment, but looking at the Euros, as long as I think that's the idea, yeah. Uh, fingers crossed, you'll get you'll get the noise back in the stadium as quick as possible. Yeah. 
Um, for people who want who, who are listening to this and they want to follow the wolf story a bit closer or, or your own stories uh, as well, is there anywhere where they can follow you on the on the social media platforms? Yeah, so we have a Wolves live Facebook page that you can follow. Uh, I'm on Facebook as well, just Alex Dickin. Mm-hmm. And uh, obviously on Twitter as well, we've got Wolves live uh, at Wolves FC underscore latest. And I'm at Alex E. Dickin, I think it is. Um, should probably check that before I came on. But yeah, <laughs> that's uh, <laughs> you can well follow our, our coverage. That's where you go. Yeah, nothing like putting people on the spot, is there? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Oh, no worries. But great. It's been been great insight into the club. It really has. And I say, wish you, wish you best of luck for the for the season ahead. Looks like it's great to see Wolves now. When you look at Wolves, they look like a, a settled and secure Premiership team, even though they've only been there for a few years. And it really is testament to the great work of Fosun and uh, and Mendes. <laughs> Not going to go into him, but uh, you know the great work that that's gone on there and the players that they brought in. So all credit to you, to you all. And I hope you, I hope you enjoyed the rest of the season. Uh, that's it for today, everyone. Uh, of course, I'm Adam at Oprifoc24. You can follow me across the social medias as well. But till next time, this has been episode seven of Meeting the 92. Uh, take care, everyone at home. Stay safe until then. Goodbye for now.